Ever wonder what the dog in your life is thinking? Well, join me, Liz Murdoch, animal communicator, talking with the dogs and finding out what dogs want people in their lives to know and understand. I've spent my life talking and listening to animals. So if you consider yourself a dog person or just happen to have a dog, I'm here to help you learn how to talk or listen to the dogs in your life. I chat with people too, sharing stories and tips on exactly how animal communication or being a dog whisperer makes an impact at home or when working with the dogs. So welcome to Talking with the Dogs podcast, a place where we uncover exactly what dogs want us to know and celebrate that every dog has a story. So welcome. This is Liz Murdoch and I am with Scrappy, who just perked up. Yep, Scrappy, you're here center stage with your dog mom, Rachel Little, who is Scrappy's uh, dog mom, Scrappy's trainer for service work, and the founder of a new dog company, Dog Face Pet Gear. So we've got a lot to cover. Welcome, Rachel. How are you today? I am great. Thank you so much, Liz, for having us on. We're so excited about this. Well, I'm excited too. I have always wanted to chat with a service dog about just the whole journey and you as well. So let's get started. How did this work out that you became a service dog trainer? Um, honestly, just when I was in high school and stuff, my mom and I thought, oh, that'd be so cool to do, you know? So it's kind of always been sitting in the back of my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, when I got my German Shepherd four years ago, he was so good. And I'm like, okay, we need to breed you and maybe do service dogs or police dogs, something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I ended up having a litter in 2019 and mm-hmm. out of the five that they had, one of them just really stood out and that was scrappy because and how did he stand out? Like, how did you know? <laughs> so it's, it's really funny because when he was like three weeks old and mm-hmm. the whelping box was in my, in my bedroom and it's just a, a kiddie pool and you know, they're supposed to last at least till like six weeks in the whelping box. But he ended up, um, during the middle of the night, the puppies were whining and I was like, what, who's whining? And I'm like, why is mom not feeding them? And so I got up to check on him and I counted only four and I'm like, oh no, where's the other one. (laughs) And so I found him whining sitting in the doorway of my bedroom. And I'm like, how on earth did you get out? And so I put him back. And then, uh, the next day his mom, was like flea nibbling him and uh-huh. kind of getting after him and like really rough. And I'm going, Oh my gosh, what is going on? Uh, and I learned that it was that she was disciplining him, I think for getting mm-hmm. out. And wow. so I put him back in and same thing happened the next night. He got out twice and he would just sit there and he would look at me like, hi, you know, just, just sit there. And I'm like, Oh my goodness. So I knew I couldn't have him in the wealthy box, but he ended up being an escape artist. And even Uh later when they were in the room downstairs with the gate up and everything, he would scale the fence and Mm -hmm. he would turn around and just look at me instead of taking off. Like most puppies would, he would sit down and turn around, look at me and be like, look what I did, you know, put him back in and he would do it again. Um, so I, I could tell he was he was smarter than the others. Was it that he wanted to be with you? Do you think versus the other dogs? He did. I did notice that as things progressed, um, Uh that he was a lot more attentive being in the whelping box. He would watch us go back and forth 
And the other puppies were like, ah, whatever. But as soon as they could see, he was watching. And when he was younger, um, we would kiss him and, and cuddle him and everything so that we could get them used to being held and fondled or whatever. Right. Right. Um, and he would growl, like I kiss his face at three weeks old and he was like, and I'm like, Oh no, this is not, (laughs) we don't want this. Um, so I knew he was going to have to have good, good training. Otherwise I was concerned about him being an alpha dog. So I kind of watched him. I'm like, you Uh you were pretty smart. And as it progressed, he, he was a lot more attentive when the other puppies would be playing around. I was painting the base in my house and he came up and he's like, Hey, what you doing? You know? And I'm like, okay. And he would just sit there and watch me and the others would just care less. And then he got to the point as he got older, I think he was probably maybe about five, six weeks. And he would just come curl up on my lap and go to sleep. And none of the others did that. Yeah. He kept seeking you out for connection. Yeah. Yeah. So I could tell he was attentive. He was extremely smart Mm -hmm. and he was, you know, kind of pushing the bounds, but not to escape and get away, but to go, dude, look at that. I can do this, you know? Right. (laughs) And so towards the end, through the whole thing, we kind of thought, okay, there's that, that thought that maybe we could do this. And, and it's a lot of work to train a service dog. And we knew we've never done it before. So we, we figured we might as well, you know, he's, I think that is the measure of his creation. You know, that's what he was meant to do. So we decided mm-hmm. to keep him and went from there. So Scrappy, what do you have to say about all this? Do you have anything you can share? So I can tune in Scrappy and I can get a feeling. You can show me a picture of what it's like. Oh, you like the training. You like, um, so what I'm getting is a sense of the actual, tra- it's like a class. You go to training class. He, did he go to his training class to learn some of this? He and did. He, it's like he liked it because he was getting direction on what to do. It's like they were, I guess they would demonstrate what they wanted him to do or you to do with him. And then you would have exercises and he liked that. It was like, he was watching everything, but then he could get to do stuff. It was the mix of watching and doing and watching. Is that right? Yeah. So we ended up finding a local group, um, Uh Michael's Angel Paws. I just called around and, and connected with her. And they do have classes that you start out with. They did once a week that she would come and train us as well. But mm-hmm. then we would go to group classes and that helped him with the socialization. Now so does would, every dog that goes to that class become a service dog? No, that one specifically, there's, they hold different classes and mm-hmm. it's a mix. So we have service dogs, therapy dogs, um, and then dogs who are just anybody who wants to learn how to train their dog and have, you know, a better relationship with their dog. They can Got go it. to that class. So okay. it, not necessarily, but this gives them as a service dog, that interaction with other dogs and mm-hmm. making sure they have that attentiveness to, to the Got handler. It. So Scrappy was still young. How, how, how old was he? Cause I get a sense he was very young still. <sighs> it was like six to eight weeks, I think. Wow. So his training to become a service dog started at six to eight weeks. Yeah. yeah. They could tell that he had an inclination and you just started training. 
Yeah. So one of the things that you do when I, that I found out that to see if they're going to even be a candidate is that you lay them on their back in, on your lap. And most dogs, especially like Huskies and German shepherds, which he's, he's half Husky, half shepherd. Uh Um, they're not going to do that. And even puppies, you know, they won't do that, but he just, he just laid there. He He was was fine. Yeah. So he had that trust. Yep. So Scrappy, what else can you tell us about these early days? So you got started training. Oh, okay. So he's, he's really good at uh, some aspects of his work. And he says he wants people to know there are some people, no, some dogs, he's not a person. There are some, there are some things that they're better suited for than others. And he's a prime example. So what Rocky, what is it that you weren't as good at? He wasn't good at something. It didn't go as well. So it was like, well, we're going to focus on this. Yeah. So, um, he is going to be for PTSD and mobility. Um, but in that training, (laughs) what was that? Which he loves. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, I get a sense of that. He, he's really struggled with picking up and retrieving things. So he, he was really good at learning these other things, like pushing the the buttons for the automatic doors, you know, uh-huh. the handicap doors and things like that. But he really struggled like picking up keys and picking up phones and really grasping that idea. Mm-hmm. His dad would do it, you know, no, no problem. Yeah, his mouth does. It feels like I can feel, you know, people say, what's it like? I get a feeling that his mouth doesn't grasp things as, as well. Yeah. So he, he just, well, and that's the thing with dogs is that um, most dogs won't bite metal, but German shepherds will. And so, especially with keys, that's kind of all those new textures, it, it kind of throws the dog off. So to get them to start doing that and picking up iPhones, picking up remotes, picking up keys or pencils or whatever it may Uh be, you know, that's a whole new thing for them. And he did not like it in the beginning. (laughs) No, his mouth works differently. It feels different. I've never, I've never talked to a dog about picking something up, but what I feel is that his mouth works. It does. It opens the bottom part that it just, it has a different feel than like I have, I have labs. I've, I've had three labs now and they, they, re- they retrieve and they can pick up things, but, um, yeah, his, I, his mouth feels different. So, okay. So he, he's not going to be picking up keys for people, but he's going to be making PS PTSD yeah. be alleviated. So, okay, yeah. go on. This is interesting. Yeah. Well, honestly, actually he will be picking up keys. He ended up getting that. He just didn't like it. And mm-hmm. so that was the thing that I think even for us to learn is that, you know, even though we don't, may not be inclined to do something in the beginning, we can, we can really work through that and, uh-huh. and make it happen. Um, even if we don't like it, you know? Yeah. So he um, had to keep working at it. Yeah. But it definitely, it took weeks and weeks and weeks yeah. for them to finally go, okay, I'll do this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, so, because that is part of the mobility is, is having that picked up, mm-hmm. but, um, they, there's other things that dogs do like the scent training and, um, bomb sniffing, but then there's like diabetic alerts and seizure alerts and things like that. And so we never explored any of those, but, um, he definitely, he's doing good with the PTSD and, you know, calming. Yeah. So it seems like, you know, with his attentiveness to people, 
that that's maybe why he liked the PTSD because he's his job is interacting with people, whereas a, a, a bomb dog is focused on sniffing out things, objects, yeah. and not as people oriented. So that's interesting. So that's amazing. So you trusted your gut and watched and observed and you were able to do this with him. And so he's going to go off soon. He started his yeah. transition from your home to somebody else's home. How's that going for both of you? Scrappy, what do you think? Oh, he, Scrappy's like, it's harder on you. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Okay. That's good to know. <laughs> it's, it's harder on you. And yeah, when a dog is sleeping, they're still transmitting energy. And that's how I can tell that um, I'm getting something. I'm getting a sense in whatever way I filter it through my experiences on what I'm receiving from his energy. And he's aware that it's harder on you than it is for him. Knowing that it's going to help somebody and change their mm -hmm. life makes all the difference. And so the yeah. program that we're going through, it's mm -hmm. a very slow transition. And so I really like that a lot better than some of the other programs where it's like, you train them for six months and then you pass them off to somebody else to train them. And you know, you never see them again kind of thing. Yeah. Cause this has been, they pair them with somebody. Mm -hmm. They will go and do some training with that person for a couple hours a day. And then a couple of days later go again, and then they'll start having a sleepover and then they'll spend the weekend. And actually this week he spent four nights over with his veteran. Um, mm -hmm. And oh. so it, it's good for me right. and my kids to have that transition, that slow transition and, and see that difference. So he gets excited to go see the veteran and then he gets excited to come back over here and then go back to his veteran. And so um, it helps him. It helps the veteran uh, because Scrappy knows what to do. It's right. now the veteran that is training or learning how to handle, be a handler. Well, this is great because it's like we can... The veterans have done their service, uh, you know, and this is our way that we can contribute as well. I'm super excited though, because um, it, we are really serving those who've already served us Yeah. and knowing that it's going to completely change somebody's life. It, that's where it makes all the difference. Yeah. Let's t talk about the leashes. So you got Scrappy. Well, Scrappy was born and you started training him and then you realized that there was something that would make it easier that you didn't have and you couldn't find it. And so you created it. Tell us about that. Okay. So most of the leashes on the market are mm -hmm. long and they have two handles. There's one okay. at the end of the long leash and then one that's down by the collar. Mm -hmm. um, and so when I was in stores and you wrap that around you so that you can right. have hands free and mm -hmm. that's that's the purpose of the, you have to take the dog to learn how to be, yes. to interact in a store. Yes. So I had the long leash right. and in the store, I would go to get my groceries and I'd be pushing the cart along. I'd have the leash, the short leash in hand, holding him. And then the mm -hmm. extra leash would be in my other hand or in the shopping cart. And I'm like, this is just burdensome, <laughs> burdensome. Yeah. And I would get up to the register or get produce and I'd wrap it around me for the whole two seconds and then get my produce. And then I'd unwrap it again because he was in training. I needed to have a better handle on him than just the hands free at all times. Yeah. So I'm like, why don't they just cut this in half? They do make mm -hmm. short leashes, but yeah. with the short leash, you don't have anything to attach it to. So I decided, um, I have a leash here. Okay. He oh, likes that. You like that? So you have the, scrappy. 
<laughs> you have the long leash and you wrap it around you. And so it's crossbody. And then you have a short leash. And um, then when you need to connect it and have those hands free really quick, you just connect it. But right. it's really nice because it helps with training because it's a lot longer um, when they're learning to just stay next to you. It gives right. it an extra length. But if you're in a crowded store and you need better control, you can clip it shorter. Yeah. And then it also still creates like that double handle leash that you need. It, it's very versatile that with training or with, you know, even just normal handling as they progress. Scrappy turned out to be a service dog and you happen to create something and there you go. Yep. yep. Wow. So it was great. It just all kind of fell into place. Huh. Hi. So you, I know. So Scrappy, she, she needed you. Okay. So she trusted her gut. Oh, so that's sort of like what happens when people pay attention to things. She noticed your greatness. Got it. Yeah. She noticed your greatness. She paid attention and people do ask me all the time how they can tune in. And this is why it's important. I see. Yeah. Because when you do pay attention, I, yeah. When you pay attention to <laughs> what your animals are telling you or showing in their behavior and you follow it, then your dog could end up being a service dog or not every dog wants to, it could be the dog that you want to take on camping trips with you that you've always wanted or something by respecting what a dog wants. And for you, it also, that's okay. He can wander around if you want. Uh, are you done scrappy? Cause we've got more time if you want to share anything you want anyone to know, but I do think it's interesting that Rachel trusted and followed the signs and ended up creating a business for, with this leash, which was also something she wanted to do. So Scrappy, we are going to ask you um, another question about the, what you really like about doing this service work and that you think that, okay, I'm, so I'm getting that there's other dogs, other dogs could probably do it. We need more service dogs. Wow. I don't know how you know that. And I get that sense of feeling that we do, we really do need more service dogs because there's a lot of people, both veterans and just people in life who have PTSD and service dogs can make a huge difference. And it's a great way for people who are looking to do something to contribute to make the world a better place. That taking care and training a service dog is actually, you know, it sounds like, uh, Rachel, it's, you know, a year or so commitment and you're supported. And it's a great thing for people to consider doing to make a difference. Absolutely. Absolutely. And especially bigger dogs, they need bigger dogs for uh -huh. vet, specifically for veterans because of mobility and such. Um, and they usually get smaller dogs. So if anybody has a bigger dog or wants to do a bigger dog, that is very beneficial, but yeah, they definitely need it. I think even specific, more specifically for recently with COVID and everything and so much shutdown. And, yeah. you know, we, we see that energy and that negativity going through and people with depression and anxiety, right. um, it's escalating and people that don't have that have felt that this year. If a dog is already older a year, can they still be trained to become a service dog? Does it have to be a puppy? It doesn't have to be a puppy. I've heard of dogs. I mean, I haven't worked with any because obviously yeah. this is still my first, um, uh -huh. but I've heard, and I've seen other dogs that are older that can do that. 
that's an opportunity if someone happens to meet a dog that is very attentive, that sort of has that connection or um, wants to meet people in, not in a, in a more, uh, I guess what smarter way is that this, what's the sign about connecting in a way that it is helping somebody? Is there a, a, a signals that a dog gives? Um, <laughs> well, this is actually one of them. <laughs> he would sit down on your lap. Um, okay. and that's what he's been trained to do is that when somebody's having a, an attack or a panic attack or anxiety or anything, then they will sense that, um, yeah. whether, whether the handler, the owner says, come here and come sit on my lap. Um, they will do that or they may just sense it and kind of bark and like alert the person in some way. However, they've been trained to do that. Usually it might be like nosing at them or pushing uh -huh. them and being like, Hey, you know, or kind of barking a little bit. Um, and it will, it will alert the person that, okay, something's not right right now. I need to kind of pay attention and be in tune with myself. So can they prevent a person from getting into a situation? So they they're sensing that the person might, uh, be having a PTSD moment, whatever the person's reaction is, however they react during a, a PTSD episode, but can they also predict that a situation might trigger that? I believe so. I actually talked to a gentleman who has had his dog for many years and he told me about a time that he was going to get on a plane mm -hmm. and the dog did not want him to get on. And he's like, what, why, you know? Yeah. Um, and the dog would not let him get on. And he had situations previously where the dog had saved his life, you know, and had warned him, Hey, you need to sit down. You need to kind of calm down. Um, and in this situation, he didn't understand why, but he listened to his dog and he doesn't know what would have happened. He mm -hmm. may have been, may have gotten on there and had a panic attack or, you know, whatever it may be, but mm -hmm. being in tune with that dog. And what I think happens is that obviously they can tell and they can sense when somebody's going to have a seizure, they can tell when your blood sugar is too low or too high for diabetic alert, mm -hmm. um, that when you're getting to that stage and your body's starting to the blood pressure rises, or you start sweating or some kind of change in you, they can sense, um, yeah. and they can alert you. And it was very interesting because um, a couple months ago, my aunt, had, we were over visiting my parents and my aunt had come over and she is an animal person. She's always had animals. Great. Amazing. Loves them. And they love her. He barked at her. And before she even came in and we're like, what, what, this is, this is not right. And he doesn't bark at people unless it's like a, a lone person, right. you know, it doesn't, if something's not right, but he would bark at her. And it was very, I was kind of nervous, but later mm -hmm. I learned, um, as, as I look back on the situation, every time she would stand up, he would bark at her and he wasn't vicious or anything. He would just bark. And then she would sit down and he would go up and let her love him and everything, but then would bark. And I'm like, wow. what? So come to find out she had had, um, some infections in her legs and was on antibiotics and the infections were actually pretty bad. And so I think that standing up, that changing in her blood pressure, Oh God. he was going, Hey, something's not right here. 
Um, That's interesting. So, and, and it was interesting because it was weeks later that he saw her again and he was okay. Um, but I talked to her about it and she let me know. Wow. Gosh, that's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Gosh. Okay. So do you have any questions for me? Um, actually, yeah, I'll ask you. Um, okay. So one of the things he knows the difference when he puts his vest on and he goes out to work and there's definitely that, that shift in his energy, you know, mm-hmm. and dogs usually get excited when they get their vest on because they're mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, we get to go out. But even though he likes going out, he doesn't like putting his vest on. <laughs> and I wonder why. And so this is his vest. I mean, it's just the training vest right now. Yeah. But I pull it out and he's like, Mm-mm. I yeah. think come over. Come so, so for me, again, you know, I, I feel things sometimes uh, and it feels like it's uncomfortable a little bit. He He's funny about it going on him, but it feels like they're rubbing Ah. how, how it's fitting press. It presses in like underneath. Yes. So there's the ridge around it. The, I don't know, like the trim. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I feel like the trim, like he would like a padding under there. Cause it's sort of, it's how, it's how it fits. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, great. That's good to know. Cause honestly, I was, I was kind of wondering if it was just the style and obviously like, this is still just it's how it feels his training. Okay. So we'll have to try a different one. That'll be great. Um, so I wonder how he enjoys his veteran. Cause obviously it's a different situation here. He has his parents. He has, um, you know, he gets to play a lot. He free feeds and, you know, different things like that. And that would be the only thing that is a little bit harder for me. I'm like, okay, as long as he's happy, I'm great. Right. So it's interesting, you know, like I, I, when I talk to people's dogs, I don't know who they live with and how many are in the home. It's just, I know you, Rachel and Scrappy, and I, you don't even, you've never met your veteran. So what I'm getting that he's showing me is that it's, it's different and it's quieter. Um, this space is just quieter and it's sort of darker, but it's has this calm. And I think he sort of likes it. He's got less distractions so that he can focus on what he's doing, but he can also really relax deeply and he likes that. And then he's sort of showing me how even in your own home, Scrappy has different relationships with the different people and you have other dogs and even all of us, any listeners, the awareness that I'm getting is that it's okay, just like people, not that we're saying dogs are like people in all ways, but that we have different relationships with different people in our lives and animals, like I have my three dogs, they can have different relationships with each other. And even though it's different, it doesn't mean for him, it's worse or bad, it's just different. And that in our human experience, we may, make assumptions like, oh, well, is he getting such and such? He likes this. Well, he he may not be getting what we give at our house, but he may really love what he's getting there. And I do feel this calmness there and this deep relaxation that he doesn't have the distractions, not that they're bad distractions at your house, but there's more going on that he's paying attention to. Yeah. 
it's like he's saying you'll be okay too that he's showing me this environment that is has this calmness that he likes good good um, yeah because i know the only thing that i know about the veteran is mm-hmm. he's probably in his 70s and he he doesn't he's not very active you know so but this is definitely getting him out to go walk and things yeah well and it goes back to and when i do a full session with people you know i write down things and from the beginning of our time together you know whether it's 30 minutes or an hour yeah you know, i'll say certain things and then at the end there's usually a few words that are key words from that session and with even you've contributed to this when we're talking about scrappy it's about his you know being attentive and his connection to people like he from three weeks old he wanted to be with people he was kept choosing people even over his own dog mom his literal dog mom who birthed him he was still choosing to come find you and yeah. so I think that inclination is very much the essence of who he is. And so to be with a person bonded like a veteran in a home, regardless of how old the person is, it's fulfilling a, a need of his natural instinct. Good. You honored its essence and yeah. it's becoming a service dog to a 70 year old veteran whose life will probably be changed um, in a very positive way. Yeah. So I, I commend you and I, I hope that anyone listening will give it a try to find out what your dog, you know, wants to do. Thank you. As long as he's happy, you know, I think that that brings a lot of comfort to me to that, just that extra level of comfort, that last little bit that I wondered, okay, is he really happy there? You know, um, I, I get a vision of him happy. You know, he's not looking out the window whimpering. Yeah. He's, he's like in a, in a very deep contented. Good. So exactly. it's, it's pretty special. I'd yeah. say. No, um, I, I'm really happy. It just definitely all, I think it all worked together for what it's supposed to. Yeah. And it was meant to be and all the pieces fell into place. And I know it's going to be a bittersweet but it's going to make his life better. Mm -hmm. Um, Scrappy's life's better. And now I have actually been able to grow from this and develop something. And now hopefully I can go and serve other people in the community of service dogs and answer any questions as, you know, I'm not an expert or anything by any means, but having gone through this, I'm like, okay, I understand a little bit more and I'm going to keep growing and hopefully share that with everybody else too, because we need service dogs. We need people to raise them. You know, if anyone listening is interested in giving this a try and exploring it further, um, can they find information on your website or, and what would, how would you direct people to find out what works best for them if they want to explore this? Honestly, they just Google, Google local uh, service dog groups and talk to people, find out information on that, see what fits for them. Um, so locally. A, yeah, locally, but then there mm-hmm. are some national, um, groups. I think vet dogs is one of them was mm-hmm. the name. Um, there's some other ones that you can find. I've found on Instagram okay. that I'm sure they have, even though they're natu- national, I'm sure they have local trainers and mm-hmm. you can, you can go to them. Um, but if you need any information, you can DM me on Instagram mm-hmm. at dogface pet gear. 
and I can give you information, direct you to those Instagrams. Um, if you're local in Las Vegas, I have somebody here. (laughs) Um, and then we will be starting a Facebook group, uh, this week actually. And just a community of, if you have a service dog, or if you have one in training, you want to learn more about it. Uh, it's just a community. We can grow together and any products that you need, or you see could be Mm -hmm. developed or you're looking for or changes then we can develop those all together and produce more so that it's a benefit for the whole community. So yeah, like those leashes are good. I did therapy dog work and I can just see how that it would be good for that when you want to share the leash and the responsibility for a dog as well. So, okay. So locally also because anyone training, it needs the support, like you said. Yes. And so that's why it's good to go locally and so if leashes, they can find you at what's your Facebook group, dog face pet gear. Um, yes, there's dog face pet gear. Um, mm-hmm. but the, the group that we will be doing is called love your service dog. So love oh, comma nice. your service dog. Uh-huh. So if you want to find us on there, that would be awesome because we just want to grow that community. And just like you were offering suggestions with the, with the vest, you know, we yeah. can make it adjustable or um, kind of a, an elastic in there, something like that, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. people are in the need for, um, let's create. Yeah. Or the dogs. Okay. So scrappy, when I wind down a session, I always say, what do you want your person to know scrappy or the audience to know? Do you have any final words, scrappy? I know you're there. Uh, I'm going to see what I can uh, get from you back over here. Here's the woo woo part. Uh, scrappy, what do you want anyone to know? Oh, okay. Oh, so the dog treats and and Rachel's got some in her hand. The dog treats make a difference, (laughs) but this is like very specific on, he says you figured out a way because otherwise he would take them all out of your hand. If you were holding some and you don't want him to have all of them and you figured out a way, I don't know what it is of slipping him a few treats at a time. Maybe just, um, because I'll put some in my hand and then just hold hold him back and then give him one at a time. Okay. Um, I usually keep them in my pocket rather than like a treat bag or anything. I'm going to have to think back in on that. Okay. Now. So think yeah. back about that because he's, he's like, it used to be a mess where he would get them all and he'd get too many and you're like, wait a minute. So you figured out yeah. something for anyone listening or new to dog training. There's a trick. So how you use the treats in your hands to give the dog one treat at a time and not a whole handful if they yeah. go for that. All right. Uh, Scrappy, I think we're done. Unless there's anything else you want to say, you want people to know you're good. You've been great. He likes those treats. Rachel, do you want to add anything? Um, I think my only thought is that, you know, as we were talking, there's that humanizing dogs. Um, ah. And because that was one thing that I've been, oh, you're going to get comfy again. He sits Important in the weirdest positions. Okay. Weirdest positions. So he's trying to see. Okay. Maybe not. <laughs> um, just that with him going to his veteran and mm-hmm. me thinking, oh, he's going to be so sad. You know, is he going to be uh-huh. sad? Is he going to be happy? Is he, you know, is he going to yeah. miss being here with his parents and everything and with us? Um, and I just had a son leave for a two year mission. 
And, you know, does he understand that he's not going to see him again kind of thing, things like right. that. Um, and the trainer had said, you're humanizing the yeah. dogs too much. And right. it, it had me thinking a little bit more, you know, cause we, we treat them so much like humans because they are mm-hmm. in a sense, but we also have to remember we are still different, you right. know, in the sense that, and as I thought about this, they are more in the present, I think, I mm-hmm. think, or they still think about the past sometimes, or like, um, at least the recent past, like, obviously if I do this, I'm going to get a treat, you know, they, they yeah. know things like that and they remember people, but they, I think they're living more in the present and it's different. Yes. And it's just like what we talked about different relationships. It's different, but it's still good. And it's not like they're longing for the past. Like we as humans do. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of how I felt and just recognizing that and going, we need to learn that too. As humans, I need to learn that living in the present, obviously we look to the future and have hopes and dreams and we look to the past in loving memory. Um, but mm-hmm. I think our happiest state, like, you know, be as happy as your dog is, is being in the present. Fully present. Yeah. And, you know, animal communication, you know, I, sometimes I I do feel pushback when people say animals don't talk, you know, you know, some people who haven't experienced the the value of it and how it can give information that we can't explain why we know it, but you're right. And we have to be careful in projecting our own feelings. I know that I have to be careful in describing words or that I'm getting through mm-hmm. my own filter. I think with any animal communication session with anyone, whether it's me or someone else, that we are using the information in a way that is just honoring who the animal is and what it is they want. And when you ask or comment about, will he miss your son, for instance, and or it comes up you know, is my dog traumatized from his life before I had him? And I will get visions of these dogs who it's like, it goes black. They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to go there or other dogs who will describe very graphically. I will see that this dog was in a basket, in a blanket, in the back corner of a pet fair where this woman found this particular dog. I see that, that the dog is giving me information somehow or like with your son or leaving the family or um, for two years, I get this sort of knowing sense of like, oh, well, it's just like puppies who leave their mother and leave the litter that they've done that too. And, you know, is that, what is that knowing sense or that feeling from the dog? I don't really know, but I feel like I wouldn't have thought it if you hadn't mentioned what does the dog think? So, yeah. Um, you know, we can let the scientists deal with figuring out the explanation. And I just say, let's use the information in a way that helps us connect better with our dog and provide better care for them. Absolutely. So I think that's a good point though, to remember about putting our projections aside to get to the essence of what the dogs, who the dogs are and what they want. Exactly. Awesome. So thank you. I wish you, gosh, you've got a lot coming up. Scrappy's (laughs) going to go off. Your business is growing, uh, two very exciting things. And I think most of all, thank you for your time teaching us about service dogs 
and the lessons of Scrappy and about a new resource that we can use for our own dogs with your leashes. So yeah, um, I'll the information listeners, if you want to explore either of those topics. And in the meantime, uh, Scrappy, you're free to have your afternoon. But listeners, in the meantime, I hope you have a great afternoon or evening wherever you are. And I hope you will continue to listen and talk to your dog. Thanks for joining me today at Talking with the Dogs. If you'd like to work with me and find out what your dog wants you to know, both at home and in the workplace, go to talkingwiththedogs.com, book a session, or sign up for a workshop. Either way, I hope you'll talk and listen to your dog. Thank you.